Let's get a, a word with the champion, Billy Joe Saunders. Great to have you back. Take that you could take the mask off and, and have a chat. Seem very, very focused up there, and I think that's always been the key with you, hasn't it? That you know, when is the A game going to come out? Because you are unbeaten in 29. You're a, a two-weight champion. You're one of the best fighters in the world, aren't you? Well, listen, like I say, you know, you're only as good as your last performance. And you know, looking back at it, I, I like watching my opponent's last performance and myself really. Um, and, and I didn't really do myself any justice there, but you know I came away and dug deep and got what I needed to get. And uh, I know Martin's going to bring his A game on uh, on Friday because it'd be foolish not to. It'd be foolish just to get off the couch and take this fight because I'm switched on, ready to rock and roll. Yeah, we remember you out in LA on the on the care side, Logan Paul, Bill. It was it wasn't great, but the finish was fantastic. You pulled it out like the champion you are. What's changed this year? It's been a difficult year for everybody with the pandemic, but you get the opportunity to defend your belt, to fight at the end of the year against a good fighter in Martin Murray. What's the difference now with Billy Joe Saunders? Uh, do you know what? Th th there's not really that much difference. You know, I was I was obviously in training for Canelo fight that fell through. That was a major blow. So I just sat around and, and I just had a little bit of me time and I just recharged the mind. Sometimes the mind has to be recharged, not the body. You know, and uh, I recharged the mind, reset, refocused, reset my goals. And my goals are a lot, lot different. And uh, 2021, obviously getting through Friday, you know, God willing, and I'm very confident I will, then 2021, you'll see a completely different Billy Joe Saunders. We remember you as a young amateur, a young pro turning over, thinking you're going to go, you, you're going to go all the way. And there were, were great times. But, you know, at times it's been frustrating. Do you think that the next couple of years, you will fulfill all that potential? Listen, the next couple of years for me is crucial because not only that, you have to look at these young guns chasing you behind now. You know, so I, I want to get in these big fights now because what I don't want to be is getting chased by someone behind you know 26 27 coming through young hungry than me getting that older by the year so I want the Canelo fights and the Jacobs fights and the Andrade fights now but sadly everyone was tied up this year um, and the only one really worthy of taking taking the fight what was available was Martin Murray he's a four-time uh, world title challenger in my opinion two-time world champion so you know it's not a bad pick out the out, out the bunch as you said very eloquently out there, you broke his career right down. He should have become a world champion, possibly in Germany, definitely in Argentina. It's a golden opportunity for him. He's never out of shape. You know what you're going to get with Martin Murray. Listen, it is what it says on the tin. You know, I know Martin's coming to fight. I haven't been beat on the UK soil now since I've been 12 years old. I've got a good track record, and I'm going to keep it that way. He's going to bring a good game, you know, but afterwards he can go back to St. Ellen's, take his cash back, have a good Christmas and retire with the family because that's what I'm planning on doing, retiring in. Time to make a statement, Billy Joe. We'll see Friday night. And finally, Callum against uh, Canella. He gets the shot. Do you give him a real chance in that fight or do you think Canella will be too good? No, I personally think he's got the tools in his bag to do the job, but, you know, they need to be... He's got to have the right game plan, the perfect game plan, and, you know, he's got everything in his advantage. Height... He's got everything, size, you know, reach, length, but that needs to be utilised to the perfect game plan. And uh, I hope they've done their own work because, you know, he's a, he's a great fighter, Canelo, but he's very, very easily led into certain stuff. And, and I, I personally think with the right game plan, he can win. It's a fascinating proposition. It could be some 2021 ahead for, for both of you, couldn't it? Please, God. Hopefully, definitely unification, whatever the result. Billy Joe, thanks for talking to us and uh, enjoy the rest of your time in the Cheers. bubble. Let's bring Eddie in. Is your debt causing you sleepless nights?
Knock your debt out with Debt KO. And your debt won't be the only thing keeping you up at night. Debt KO, free impartial advice on all your debt. Oscar Bevis, IFL TV, MTK Global. Delighted to be joined by Mr. Eddie Hearn once again. How are you, Ed? Very good, thank you. Good to see you, good to see you. I'm going to jump straight in because I know you've got some other things to do with Sky, etc. Um, are we in that classic narrative this week that Billy Joe doesn't get up for big fights, Martin Murray's always in shape, he looks in, well, looks in tremendous shape, he's been in camp with Jamie, blah, blah. Um, it's a hurdle for Billy Joe, is it? That sort of narrative again? I think it's just the truth, isn't it? You know, Billy Joe's last performances haven't been great, his last two. Um, you saw with Daniel Jacobs against Gabe Brasado last week, you know, a guy who almost looked like he couldn't get himself up for a fight. You've got to get yourself up for this fight. You've got to put on a performance. And he's up for it, Billy Joe. You know, and Martin Murray, yeah, you're right. You know, never boxed for a world title in the UK before. You know, he talks with so much passion, doesn't he, about Oliver Harrison and how much they're putting into this fight. Last roll of the dice. And just speaking to the team, they believe they're going to do it. You know, I think they look at Billy Joe and the question marks of Billy Joe is, you know, how's his discipline been? Is he in shape? Does he really want it anymore? And you've got to ask him all those questions in the fight. But it's if Murray can do it. And you've got to do it from the first round. You know, you can't start slow and... You know, he's, he's in some fights, he talked about the Arthur Abraham fight where he says, I look back and just think, oh, you know, those last few rounds, I just should have done a little bit more. And he can't have that regret waking up on Saturday morning. They believe they can win. I, I want a dominating performance from Billy Joe. I want, you know, I remember watching the Lemieux fight thinking, fuck me, this guy's good. I want people to say the same thing. Because if they say that on Saturday morning, the demand for Andrade, for Jacobs, for... Canelo, Callum Smith, all these fights become bigger. And that's what we want. You talk about the demand for the Callum Smith fight. And um, obviously we've ended up now with Bill and Martin Murray and Callum's ended up getting the big one with Canelo. But was you surprised from a fan perspective that there wasn't more demand? I thought like that was a fight that would be pushed by everyone and you'd almost be forced into it because of the demand for Billy and Callum. It just didn't seem as there as it should be because that is probably, bar Fury AJ, the best domestic fight we could get in this country. I think the demand's there, but it's not a fight with uh, you know bad blood, with a lot of hype, with a lot of animosity. It's just two good guys who respect each other, happen to be world super middleweight champions. So I think in boxing, that's a big fight. But you know, to the, the wider audience, you know, maybe there isn't enough hype. But that fight would have taken place this year if there were crowds. You know, it sells out the O2, it sells out Manchester Arena. You know, it was a pay-per-view fight. We would have had you know the, the money to make that fight. But instead, like you say, um, I mean, I feel for Billy Joe because some people say, when's Billy Joe going to have the big fights? It's just, he had the big fight. You know, he agreed the fight with Canelo Alvarez. He flew to uh, Los Angeles for the press conference. And a day later, unfortunately, this thing called COVID hit and the whole thing was off. So it's been a rough ride for him. And we're so frustrated because I want to deliver these guys at the prime of their careers the chance to create the legacy, to try and, you know, be in those history uh, those defining fights. And that's why I'm so pleased for Callum because he was so desperate right now for the big chance and he got it. Now the next fight for Billy, if he comes through Martin Murray, he's got to be able to do the same thing. But the pressure in this fight is if he doesn't look good, there won't be the demand for those kind of fights. Suddenly the broadcast will say, no, no, forget about Billy Joe, actually, what about someone else? If you can come out look sensational, all of a sudden the broadcasters say, yeah, Billy Joe against him. So this is a big moment for him. Does it make it the biggest night of his career then, would you say? Uh, 
uh, yeah, he's had some big nights, hasn't he? I mean, you know, the Andy Lee win was a, was a massive night. I think you have to say that was the biggest night of his career. And probably the Lemieux fight. You know, but defeat would be disastrous for Billy Joe Saunders. And a poor performance would be disastrous as well. You know that Billy Joe's not everyone's cup of tea, is he? So people are just waiting and dying to get on his back. And anything but a great performance, people will get on his back. So I don't think he's one of those guys that feels the pressure in that way. But, you know, for a lot of people on this card, there's probably three fights on this card, which is Billy Joe Saunders, which is Lerone Richards and Zach Parker, where really there's as much pressure to look good as there is to win. Because if you don't look good in this game, if you don't make people want to watch you, you're in big trouble. So Lerone, you know, he's just signed a deal with us. He's just fighting an eight-rounder. So we know what it is. It's just a run out for him. But the minute you don't look good, oh, he's overrated, that geezer. Oh, why have they signed him? You know, same with Zach Park. Oh, he's mandatory for Billy Joe. Rubbish. Billy Joe wins on points, don't look good. Oh, he's useless, that Billy Joe. So you've got to give people an excuse to say he's top draw. Yeah, there's a little theme of super middleweights on the undercard, yeah, return of Shannon Courtney Billy as well. Yeah, well. yeah, and a yeah. couple of Billy Joe's boys as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Billy Joe drives me bonkers. I mean, you've got Lewis Edmondson couldn't get a fight, so we've had to give him one on our card. You've got Dante Dixon, who is very, very good. Uh, he's on the card as well. Um, and there's plenty others that I'm sure he'll be signing in the future. But he does... Billy is a boxing man through and through. Sometimes he puts a little bit too much energy into those guys. It's good for them. But as Mark Tibb said, you know, focus on your career. You're in the prime of your career. These, these next two years for Billy Joe, he's got to make it count because... How many people have you met say Billy Joe is the one? You know, pound for pound, the best fighter in Britain. Well, let's see it. We saw it against Lemieux, but now we want to see it 168 pound. Ed, great news. A thousand fans, just yes. a thousand. I know AJ's well, had 89,000 more than that, but uh, yeah. Tickets, yeah. Um, you know, there was part of me at one stage that said, you know, should we just leave it? But we, we have a responsibility to bring fans back. We've got to keep pushing the boundaries to try and return to normality. So we've got 1,000 tickets. We could have sold 70,000 tickets. The phone, I'm talking about the office line, my mobile, all day, non-stop. Ed, Ed, just four, keep us four, keep us six. Don't work like that, mate. The tickets are being sold by somebody else. Everything's being governed, reported. We can't get this wrong. You know, if we mess this up, if something goes wrong on the night, if, you know, the, the rules aren't followed, everybody takes a step backwards. We must keep taking steps forward. So massive that we can get a thousand people back. Um, they're going to be very lucky, the ones that get it. Um, tickets go on sale on Friday. Is it like a, are you going to the Wimbledon style with a ballot and then that's it? It's just, it's, listen, we're going to get so much stick. We've kept the prices exactly the same as they would have been if it was, you know, the O2 or whatever. I don't feel like, you know, we've taken liberties or anything. It's not about the money. It's about bringing people back to say we can do it. Right? Because this is really important for not just us, but for other promoters and small hall boxing as well. This gives them a chance to bring back the small hall shows as well. And we can't balls it up. So um, it will be first come, first served. And everyone will call me an arsehole afterwards. But there's no, there's no other way around it. So, um, you know, you have to come from the same household. You have to prove that on the night as well and show your ID. Um, and... We have to police it, and it's not going to be easy. It's going to be expensive almost to provide that kind of logistics to make it count, but we have to make it count, and we have to 
do this. We have to bring fans back, and it's important that we do it for an AJ event. Those thousand fans going to see the Gypsy King at ringside? I believe so. I was just talking to Adam Smith about it. I think you know, a few broadcasters trying to get in there. He's more than welcome as well to come down and watch. Um, and hopefully from there, we see a great Anthony Joshua performance and then we see the fight getting made, maybe even live on TV. It'd be nice. But, you know, if he, if he wants that fight, he should, you know, he should come down. He should watch. And you know, we're 100% committed to making that fight subject to AJ winning against Pulev on December 12th. I mean, it would be a good statement to see, obviously, Tyson ringside and then... Maybe, I don't know if he can jump in the ring with rules or whatever, probably not. But uh, it would be a good statement. Would that sort of put something forward that you want to set something in, in concrete before the end of the year? We want to do it ASAP. You know, I don't want to um, jinx anything, but hopefully through victory on the 12th. And which I, I don't think, there's no games to be played. It's not, I'm not coming down there because you know, we're all working together. We're trying to give the public this fight. So AJ would love Fury to be there. Hopefully Fury wants to be there because we all want, we want to get it done. No games, you know, not, oh, you come down and it might mean this. It might. We're not worried about that. Let's just get it done. We all agree on the deal. Let's start working together. Let's get the date in place. But most importantly, just win on December 12th. Because without that, it's all completely irrelevant. I can see already the sky cameras panning in to Tyson once yeah, yeah. Joshua knocks out Pulev. But uh, I know you said to me before, everyone takes a mic out of you. I spoke to AJ yesterday. Have you spoke to him recently? Is, it, is he ready? I spoke to him last night. I just spoke to him just now on a Zoom call with the media. He's... Um, He's good, he's nervous, you know, we're all nervous because... Is that a good thing? It's a really good thing. I said that to him last night. He said, you know, good, you know, the pressure's on, isn't it? I think he said to me, I said, yeah, fucking too right, mate. But that's what we want. The pressure, you didn't feel the pressure when you boxed Andy Ruiz. Now we feel the pressure because you're in a tough fight and one win gives you a shot at the undisputed. So that's, that's what's on the line and uh, it'll be razor sharp. I think you're going to see a brilliant performance from him. The Warren Joyce, I know you've done like a little wrap-up of events with Coogan, obviously over the last few days, the aftermath sort of deepened on Daniel Dubois. Um, at 23 years old, I know Coogan said this to you as well, 23 years old, it's probably quite hard to take on the chin, but uh, yeah, just your thoughts on how the last couple of days have panned out, I suppose, from, from Daniel's perspective. I think um, a loss is a loss. You know, it doesn't matter how it comes. Um, again, you know, I saw Frank's comment saying, oh, Eddie Hearn says we're lying. I didn't say you were lying. I just said that... Coogan said they'd fractured his cheekbone. I said, I haven't seen any reports or scans. I'm not asking to see him. It's irrelevant. It's got nothing to do with me anyway. And, you know, when people talk about, you've got, you got the boxing, the boxers saying, oh, he quit. He don't want to fight anymore. He's mentally weak. And then you've got the sensible people saying he made a good decision, right? So did he quit? Yeah, but it was a sensible quit. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So it was thinking about maybe about the future. I don't know. Or maybe he didn't want to be in there anymore. But... This is a tough sport and these fighters deserve all the respect. You can't just expect them to go in and do what you want to do all the time. But most of the criticism has come from the fighters, not necessarily from the armchair fans. Um, Dubois is a very good fighter. He will come again. You know, again, if, if I mean, I know, I'm not questioning Frank. Frank says he's fractured his cheekbone. He'll need an operation and he'll be out for a year or so, if that's the case. And, you know, that is a bad injury. But he will definitely come again. He will learn from that. And those kind of experiences at that level... I mean, look, when AJ... I was watching AJ against uh, Dillian White the other night. I mean, when you watch the two fights in comparison, they were very similar at the time to where they are. AJ against Dillian White, I feel it was levels and levels above the Dubois-Joyce fight. But AJ could have lost that fight. You know, he got carried away, lost his marbles... 
and he didn't. He come through, and Dillian White got beat in that fight. He got knocked back, knocked out. Look where he went on. What he went on to achieve. Many people after that fight might have said, "Oh, Dillian White won't go on and win British titles." Well, he's you know he's about hopefully going to beat Povetkin and get a shot at a world title. So you could never count yourself out, especially at that age. Um, you know he's he's got a close family. He's got you know a good team around him, and I'm sure he'll be back. But it's going to take a lot of rebuilding. And for Joe Joyce, you know, I, I still kind of think that. People aren't really giving Joe. It's all about, did Dubois quit? Does he want, you know? It's not, well done, Joe Joyce. What a great performance. I didn't think he'd win. Thought he might do if it went five or six rounds, but it was so one sided, the fight. He just, he dominated the fight. And um, he was always in control, wasn't he? Just very calm, very unassuming. Even when he was in the change room after, was you there or was it uh, Uma? He was like, you know, wasn't he? he's just he's he's like that, which is which is good, and it, and that enabled him to put that kind of performance together. I know what you mean. It's almost like he couldn't contemplate the fact yeah. that he just won. Um, but, he, but he expected to win. It's yeah. just that's Joe. You know, I remember with Joe, I was going to sign him once, and I gave him a big pitch, and it was a really good pitch. You know, and you're selling something to someone, and I finished, and we were in the Starbucks in Sheffield. I'll never forget. And he just looked at me, and he went, "All right." And I was like, "Is that all?" All right, I've just given you the best sales pitch of all time. And it didn't work out. But, you know, I wish him all the best, and he's a very good fighter. And him and Usyk's picking up a bit of steam as well on social media. People sort of almost believe that Joe's strengths perhaps lie in Usyk's weaknesses, and obviously the rematch from amateur days in the WSB. So there's a little bit there as well. Yeah, good fight. I mean, we see what happens with the WBO title. I think that fight's the same kind of thing, isn't it? Uh, You'd fancy Usyk to really outbox Joe Joyce, but Joe's pressure, his strength, you know, will be very interesting in that fight. So Joe, Joe's a bit of a nightmare for everybody, really. Again, he, you don't, I said before, you don't watch him and think it's the second coming of Ali, but he can really fight and he's, he's strong and powerful and, you know, he's going to be a problem for a lot of heavyweights. You mentioned Povetkin and Dillian. Um, I saw a tweet that said Povetkin's sort of out and training again. Um, 30th, is that set? That's very much the the plan. I don't, you know, I don't want to get to a situation where we announce the 30th and then in two weeks' time he says, "Oh, can I have another two weeks?" So we're just speaking to Andre Rybinski and Vadim Kornlov and the World of Boxing team just to make sure they're happy with that date. I think if there is a delay, you are talking two or three weeks maximum. But right now they're focusing on January the 30th. So are we, and he's resumed training. He hasn't he hasn't gone ham yet, but. He's about to, and we hope that he passes those tests and those levels and says, we're good to go. Just finally, Ed, I know you're going to speak to Coogan at Joshua Pulev, and I'm sure you do some Zooms over the Christmas period when boxing's over, but we've had a good couple of months, haven't we, yeah. since the boxing restart. Uh, just a little reflection on this time. Do you think it's gone well? I feel like boxing's almost bigger than it was before. I don't know. Yeah, I think we've, we've all done really well. I mean, you know, and it, uh, fight camp, the bubble here, and, you know, some Frank, uh, Aram, Heyman, um, everyone, Golden Boy, everyone's dug in. Hennessy, you know, everyone's, Golden yeah, Golden Contract, MTK. You know, and I think, although we're not fighters, I think we've got it in us, in a, in a business sense, where we say, right, we've got to dig in here, we've got to roll up our sleeves and we've got to crack on. And boxing was able to do that. And when we come out, this is going to be the last, hopefully, the last event of our lifetime behind closed doors, Right? But I've enjoyed it. You know, I've enjoyed the experience. I've learned a lot. 
And I feel like when we go back to normality, we'll be bigger and stronger than ever. So I think everybody in boxing should give themselves a big pat on the back and the fans as well for staying tuned and staying locked. You guys for, for dishing out the content nonstop as well. And it's been a frustrating period, but it's been a good period. I've got to say, you know, I was traveling every other week, right? And I haven't flown to America since February. I've spent so much time with the family, at times they've driven me berserk. But I've, had, I've been, even during this, I would say, possibly, this has been the happiest year of my life. Do you know what I mean? Even with no crowds, with all the aggravation, because I've been able to actually do some normal things. And I've enjoyed it. So it just shows you, don't take things too seriously. Stay in the hustle, stay in the grind, but get the balance right. So next year we'll be going ham again and I'll be away every week, but I'm okay because I'm retest, I'm, you know, I'm um, rested re rather, and I'm ready to go. So I'm as motivated as ever, but I've enjoyed this year. I've enjoyed the challenge. You know, COVID has been a nightmare for everybody and us, but I feel like everyone in boxing, like I said, has rolled their sleeves up and cracked on, and I think they've done a great job. Is your debt causing you sleepless nights? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. And your debt won't be the only thing keeping you up at night. Debt KO, free impartial advice on all your debt. This is Andy Purrawal for Boxing Social in association with Betfred and I'm delighted to be joined by Jack Cattrall over Zoom. Jack, first and foremost, how are you doing? Yeah, very well, thank you. Uh, all good, just having a couple of days relaxing, boxed at the weekend, picked up another win, but yeah, all good. How are you? I'm all good, mate. Um, it's good to speak to you obviously so soon after Saturday. We'll get straight into that. Firstly, congratulations on another win. How good did it feel just to kind of get back into the ring, ring though after a year out? Yeah, I've said it before. I was very fortunate to get back in. Uh, a lot of fighters didn't get any work this year, uh, especially the, the fighters on the small hole shows where they rely on ticket money. Uh, I was very fortunate that my management team and Frank Warren was to be able to deliver a fight for us this year. Uh, a couple of months back, I probably thought, you know what, it's probably going to get into next year and I probably won't get a fight. Uh, but again, grateful, got in there and it was amazing. It felt really good to be back in the mix. Talk to me about the fight, Jack. Those initial rounds, did you feel the ring rust? Could you tell that it was kind of, it had been a year since you'd last boxed? You know what? I wouldn't say ring rust as such. Uh, there was a couple of changes of opponent before the fight. Uh, again, I can't pronounce his name, but credit to my opponent. He's uh, top amateur boxer, come in there with a 14 and 2 record. But if, if we did our homework, and if you look back through his sorry, so if you look back through his record, he's fourteen and two. But the two the two losses that are on his record, you could argue one was a robbery and the other one possibly a draw. So you're talking a decent level opponent. Uh, <clears throat> I went in there, got the ten rounds out, had him down a few times. Uh, he managed to get back up, but all in all, I'm happy. Abdurazak Huya, as the MC was. Abdurazak Huya, there we have it. <laughs> it was, as an announcer announced on um, Saturday night. Was it frustrating having somebody who was so tough, given that you had dropped him a couple of times in the fight? Was you feeling any sense of frustration, wanting to get that stoppage? 
you know what, it'd be nice to get the stoppage, but no, you know what, if it had got him out in a round or a couple of rounds, people have had stuff to say, uh, went the distance, people have stuff to say, you know what, it was 10 rounds, it is what it is, uh, there's room to improve, always, uh, I had him down and hurt, he wasn't the most engaging fighter, uh, but it's definitely stuff and get back in the gym and work on, which I'm happy with. We can we could see that he was a very very tough opponent, um, but as we can also see, he wasn't really engaging engaging as you say. And as we can see from the fact you don't really have any marks around your face, um, was that a kind of a, any sense of frustration there that he didn't look to kind of get stuck in a bit more, maybe give you a bit more of an opportunity to work a variety of different angles instead of him instead of you rather having to chase him. You know what it was. There's a lot of pressure riding on. On these big fights, obviously, I've been mandatory for the WBO world title now for for well on two years, and it's like every time I get to that point where it's it's going to happen, there's always something come up, and I always have to fight. And it's like I've trained all year. <clears throat> In an ideal world, you'd get a, a top ten ranking fighter, and you'd have a real good scrap. Uh, I mean, that's out of my hands. Uh, I wouldn't say I wasn't up for the fight. I've been training for the fight, but it didn't really excite me when they sent the opponents over. It was kind of a, I'll fight anybody I'm ready. But I think you will see the best of me come these big fights when they've got that that fear factor and I'll get excited. I mean, Abadur yeah, he was a tough opponent, but it didn't really like tip me off and make me feel like, come on. It was kind of like, you know what, I've got a job to do. In the back of my mind, it's like world titles are looming. But <clears throat> we dealt with it. We got another victory. Win by all means and uh, we move on. Moving forwards, we know again, you've mentioned it there, you're waiting for the Taylor Ramirez fight to take place so that you can face the winner. With that in mind, do you expect to fight once more before that fight takes place or when that fight takes place around a similar time? Uh, I'll leave that to my management. Uh, I'll be back in the gym later this week, but in an ideal world, that fight happens sooner rather than later. I'd, uh, I'd like to see Taylor Ramirez fight early next year, Jan, Feb, and hopefully they can both through that fight safely and we can uh, we can get it on sooner, sooner rather than later. Jack, just to move away from yourself, I just want to get your thoughts on a few other things. Start off with the headline fight from your card on Saturday night. Daniel Dubois versus Joe Joyce. Joe Joyce with a, an impressive 10th round stoppage victory there. But what did you make of the fight? Uh, we watched it. I watched it on my mobile phone. We were driving back from London. We didn't get to stick around and watch it. Uh, again, real pick and fight. I tipped Daniel to win beforehand. I was proven wrong. I thought... Joe Joyce's jab were really good uh, <clears throat> and Daniel just for me didn't have enough head movement uh, we've seen Joe Joyce in previous fights he's always had a real good jab and I thought maybe his camp would have worked on on slipping countering that jab and and closing the distance but for me we're getting peppered with it uh, again they've said <clears throat> his eyes been fractured he couldn't see uh, he did what he thought was the right thing and took a knee the fight got called off uh, he's young enough to come again, hopefully. He'd like to think he can rebuild, learn from that loss and uh, set things right in the future. I'm sure you've seen all of the comments over social media, especially in the immediate aftermath of the fight, Jack. A lot of people suggesting Daniel Dubois quit. What were your thoughts on those comments? 
you know what? I don't read into it too much. Uh, maybe he did quit. Maybe he didn't. He might watch the fight back deep down and think, what, what have I done that for? Maybe I could. I was ahead on the cards. I certainly had him ahead on the cards. Uh, could he have gone two more rounds, being a bit more evasive on the back foot, moving around? Could he have got the victory? I don't know. <clears throat> That's only uh, only Daniel knows that. But I'd like to think if it was me in there, I'd find some way of seeing out six minutes and, and getting the victory. But uh, as far as the social media goes, as a young kid, you can a lot of people read into the social media too much and it can be detrimental. So hopefully he's surrounded by good people, family and friends, and uh, he can move on from Saturday night and come back in 21 bigger and better. During the night on Saturday, Jack, we saw Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. return to the ring. Did you catch that? I didn't catch it. I tried to. I fell asleep in the fight before. Woke up, I've not watched it back. Uh, I've seen the highlight clips. Mike Tyson was my favourite. Um, you know what? It was kind of nice to see him in the ring. Obviously, far from his former self, but ultimately, he's doing what he wants to do. And you know what? I am going to watch it back. Now, just to move forward again, just to touch on a couple of your opponents before I leave mm -hmm. you to enjoy the rest of your... Not opponents, sorry, a couple of your campmates, rather, before I leave you to enjoy the rest of your evening. Uh, Martin Murray getting ready for his own fight on, Saturday, on Friday night, rather. He's... Uh, another world title crack for Martin. What are your thoughts now about it here? Martin Murray versus Billy Joe Saunders. Uh, Martin's very deserving of this fight. Uh, been been a, a few world title fights. Been unfortunate in one of them. Uh, the fight was scheduled twice. I think it was earlier this year or last year. Uh, it's finally on. It's a big ask for Martin. Uh, everybody knows that, but if anyone can do it, it'll be Martin. Been training alongside him. He's looking really well. Uh, and just sending all my support to Martin at the weekend and hope he can pull it off. Martin said in a Zoom call yesterday he needs to try and make it uncomfortable. He needs to put the pressure on Billy Joe. He can't let him settle and get into his own rhythm. Is that the key with somebody like Billy Joe? Is that what Martin needs to kind of look to stamp his authority on the fight? Of course, I can see the fight breaking down a couple of ways, but ultimately you've got a slick southpaw in Billy Joe. Uh, he's got really high skill sets, so be nice to see Martin. Uh, get rough and tough and, and like I said, unsettle him. I think the more unsettled he is, make him maybe lose his head and Martin can really put it on him and, and make it his fight. Now, moving on to another um, come out of yours, we've seen an exhibition fight announced earlier today <laughs> between Stephen Ward and Fjord Bjornsson from Iceland. Talk to me about that one, Jack. Um, how long have you guys known about it and what exactly will we be seeing in this exhibition bout? You know what? I've seen the announcement before. I've heard the rumours. I don't know the ins and outs of it, but I think Stephen has half said it in his post earlier on. Like, there's a lot of fighters not getting any work, like I said before. Uh, times are hard for everybody. I know Stephen's got a young family uh, and MTK and whoever else is involved have put together a show against this big weightlifter. So, listen, I'm happy for Stephen. He's got an exhibition over in Iceland. It's a few quid in the bank, so buzzing for him. What, what should we actually expect from it, um, Jack? Because from the looks of it, I'm very, very happy. Isn't me stepping in there with um, Bjornsson? 
my advice to Stephen is just hold your hands very high. <laughs> just make sure you get out of that ring safely. Uh, he's got a, a long career ahead of him, Stevie. He's moved up to his new weight class. He's comfortable now. So um, I guess this is just a, a keep keep busy fight, so to speak. Uh, it'd be a new experience, but ultimately it's, it's all part of the journey and he's got, got to enjoy the journey. Jack, we'll leave that there now. I'll leave you to enjoy the rest of your evening and enjoy your limited time off from the sounds of it until you are back in the gym. Um, I appreciate your time as always. I'm sure I'll catch up with you again soon. Thank you for speaking to Boxing Social. And the top man, thank you. See you soon. Is your debt causing you sleepless nights? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. And your debt won't be the only thing keeping you up at night. Debt KO. Free, impartial advice on all your debt. Andrew McCarty, IFL TV in association with MTK Global. Look, get this camera sorted. There we go. Delighted as always to be joined by the one and only Mick Conlon. Mick, I spoke to you on a Zoom call the night before we came down here. I didn't even know you were going to be here, but uh, we're here now. But I want to get to more pre uh, pressing issues, man. Like something that's really important to me. What did you make of my poker skills last night? You're okay, boy. You're okay, boy. You shoot from the hip. Um, sometimes you don't know why, but you just shoot from the hip. <laughs> so um, you're a dangerous player because you haven't got a clue. No, I had a clue. I, had, I, got, I got three straights and two in a row. Come on now. You were shooting lucky. That's why you were getting three shoots in a row. Um, nah, but it was a good crack. It was a good crack. If we were playing for cash and not a tournament, I would have won some money and I would have just bailed. You could have walked away with some money. You could have walked away when you had money up, but then when I took it off, you know, it was game. But you took it off. You, I think you quit yourself. I think you just you didn't even look at your cards. You went all in and you failed. You finished third though, but I'm pissed off that Sheldon won. I must prefer Sheldon than Ian, so I'm, I'm happy enough. No, that's true, me too, me too. Well, let's get down to it. Um, your team, Harlem Eubank, this week. Um, he's in a tough fight against uh, Danny Darko. You're overly, not overly confident, but you're very confident that Harlem's going to do the, the job tonight. Uh, you said on numerous occasions that the progression that Harlem's made in the gym, Adam Booth said this as well, is amazing. He's went from like a novice to somebody who's like practicing his craft second to none sort of thing. So... How, why are you so confident? First of all, why are you so confident that Holland's going to win? And uh, what kind of performance can we expect from him? Just everything he's doing in the gym. Everything he's done and everything I'm seeing in the gym is the reason why. Um, he's looking phenomenal. Uh, really, really good. And, you know, he, he, he's, his improvements over the last two years have been unbelievable. Um, I think he knocks Darkwood. It's a real 50-50 fight, but I think when Harlem lands... When he lands that left hook or when he lands that right hand, it's game over. I said to Adam Booth after his last performance against Martin McDonough, has the sitting down on this shot something that you've been working on in the gym? And he said, yeah, we've been working on that. So have you seen that in the gym, his sort of like, his power and his accuracy and stuff like that? Listen, I've been seeing topple people over with 14, 16 gloves on. You know what I mean? It's, it's, not, it's not like it only happens when he has the eight ounces on or when he's in the fade. It happens in sparring. He knows he has power, but the thing is, he doesn't depend on it. He has skill too, and that's what he's been working on more and more and more. And working on the skill has helped him settle down and help him land the shots with his feet planted. Um, 
It's a 50-50 fight. Dark was undefeated. Amateur Roar Pro. I know he was in that alliance and it's probably not the same as the, the ABA or whatever it is over here. Um, but he's undefeated so he doesn't know what defeat tastes like. So tonight he'll taste it and uh, he'll come back. Listen, he'll come back. He's, he's still early in his career. He might be a bit older. He might be 32, I think. But you know, he, ha- he still has still has a, a lot to give, I think. And you know, he seems like a real nice guy. Someone who has dedicated his life to the sport after kind of the life he kind of had. And uh, you know, I, I wish him all the best, but just not tonight. Well said. I, I said to Harlem as well there that, I mean, where does he go from here? I mean, the stat- the one forty pound division is is stacked with talent. I don't want to go all the way to world level already with Josh Taylor and Ramirez and Progre, Jack Carter and all these guys. But domestically, the Tyler McKennas, the Ho- O'Hara Davises. I mean, is he good enough to for these guys in maybe mid twenty twenty one next year? Um, it's steady progression. Steady progression. No, I believe. I wouldn't have him in with uh, an O'Hara Davis or, or McKenna in his next fight. No, I would have him fight for the English title, um, win that, and then progress on to the British. And whether that's you know whether it's Throne Magumed or whether it's you know O'Hara or Akeem Brown or, or or Sam Maxwell, you know who knows. Um, you know I think that the progression of Harlem will be you know seen, and you'll see how fast he will move. Um, but he is in no rush. He's still young. He's very young. Um, he doesn't need to face those kind of guys yet. I've got to get your thoughts on the Golden Contract final. It's a fight that we've all been waiting for since February. Yeah. It postponed in June, postponed in September. We finally get it third time lucky as Jazza Dickens versus Ryan Walsh. Now, you've been around both camps here in this, this bubble that we're in, Jazza. You've spoke to Jazza, you've spoke to Ryan Walsh. Off camera, I hope you don't mind me saying, but you flip-flopped. You've been like, Jazza. And then you go, you speak to Walsh, and you're like, oh, Walsh. And then you speak to Jazza, and you're like, oh, Jazza. It's, it's a tough one to pick, isn't it? It's the mindsets of both guys. They're both really focused. They both really believe it. I just don't know. I, I'm sitting on the fence now at the minute. I'm sitting on the fence. Um, I have bets and all done, but they mean nothing. They mean nothing at the minute. Uh, and I'm not, I don't need to say them. I don't really like to post any of my bets, as you've seen before. Um, because you're a good tipster, I'll give you that. When I when I when I post the bets, I, I lose, so I'm not doing none of that. Um, but you know, it's it's one I'm really looking forward to. Two guys that really want it. And I've known Jazza and and Ran kind of lately, not much, not really spoke. To, I spoke to them, says hello, passing. I've talked to them for a little bit, but this week, like I've been with the both Walsh brothers, and, and their, their mindsets are fascinating. Them as, as people are lovely people, but. Every single little point in every box, they've went and ticked. And I know Jazz is the same. I spoke to Jazza, and he's ticked the boxes, and he knows what he has to do. And if you look on their last performances, they both performed well. Ryan struggled a little bit with Tyrone until they got him, um, and that's a southpaw. And he fought the Scottish kid southpaw. Eh, uh, Lewis Paul. And kind of struggled a little bit and still got the, uh, and beat him. But does he struggle with southpaws? Is a question. No, it's a question, and and it could start to tip me towards Jazza. But then, when you seen Jazza in that last fight with Lee Wood and, and in a back and forth battle, being the smaller man, you're always in a better position in, in them in close battles. These guys are both the same height, both the same kind of stature. You know what way will it swing when they're when they're up close and punching hard? Rand's used to fighting in close. I, I keep there's two different sides every. I'm gonna put a gun to your head. I'm gonna put a gun to your head. Pick one. Would you? Can you? I'm 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 torn the line. I'm torn the line. <laughs> I'm half out of respect for both guys. I'm I, I'm not gonna go and go. I think this guy wins, or I think that guy wins. I'm just gonna stay in the middle and say best man wins. In terms of the the other two 
Irish. I know you're a proud Irishman. So on, on terms of the two Irish guys on the card here, we've got they're, ve- they're very young in their professional career, uh, career Fergus Quinn and James McGivern. Uh, your thoughts on them and why we should look out for them? Um, yeah, two good fighters. I'm really looking forward to you know Fergus. Um, you know his first fight, he fought a, a real hard opponent, and this fight he's fighting another hard opponent. You know he's a guy who comes to fight. This is the second fight in his career, and you know he's taken a good steps already. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to his performance. I'm not sure who James is fighting, but you know he is a talented kid, and you know he he'll sure look good tonight. In terms of yourself as well, um, I think I asked you this on that, that Zoom call, but I'll ask it again. The injury and when can we expect you you back in the ring? I know that uh, this world title, I keep asking your brother, I keep asking you and stuff like that, but it seems like you're there or thereabouts now. You must be hungry for this world title shot. When and when can you be? Can, when can we see you next in the ring? Um, you know, I know I'm within touching distance. Um, one fight or the next fight could be it. Um, who knows? But you know, obviously with my injury, it's put me back a little bit. I was supposed to fight Saturday coming, um, which unfortunately is not happening now. But uh, no, I think that St Paddy's Day looks like it could be the next date for me. And whether it's a world title or whether it's a world title eliminator, I don't know. Um, I'm just fingers crossed, whatever one it is, I'm there on St Paddy's Day. And, you know, I believe that you'll see the best of me then. Um, I've been calling for the big fights now. And, you know, I know I'm ready for any fight now. I'll fight anybody at the minute. I've been saying to Jamie, make the fights, make the fights. He says, come to me, he says, Dog, he says, no problem. He says, this guy says, no problem. So... Uh, anybody who it is in front of me, I know I'll beat them. Um, I'm very confident of that. I'm just looking forward to getting back in the ring. And so, man, I'm going to say 100%, no matter what, I'll be there St. Patrick's Day as well. I promise you that. Of course, of course. Whether it's Ireland, the UK, America, who knows. But you know, hopefully you're there and hopefully you're seeing grace. Thank you very much, Jamie. Uh, Jamie there, Mick. Uh, I appreciate that as always, man. And I will be singing grace. Don't worry about that, my man. Thanks very much, Mick. Thank you. Is your debt causing you sleepless nights? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. And your debt won't be the only thing keeping you up at night. Debt KO. Free, impartial advice on all your debt. Jolie here for Seconds Out and fans are finally back in arenas. I'm with Danny Flexen to talk about it as the Anthony Joshua versus Pulev fight. It's been announced that it's going to be at the Wembley Arena now with 1,000 fans. Um, Before we get into the subject, I think it's a good end to the year if we can actually get fans in the arena, isn't it, Danny? Yeah, I mean, uh, we we knew the new rules allowed for up to 1,000 people at live sporting events. It was interesting to see who'd be first out of the gate. Um, once the new rules came into practice. I know uh, Frank Warren's obviously got a show this weekend, so has Eddie Hearn, um, and we've obviously got tonight's show as well, and the MTK yeah. show, all right. on the time, the week when uh, lockdown has been phased into the tier system. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've given it a bit of extra time, which makes sense, get all the infrastructure right, and it's now going to be yeah. at one of the biggest shows of the year, um, the AJ Pulev fight. And yeah, it's definitely a good thing, more in terms of what it means going forward than the actual event itself. Yeah, I think it's about the first step. And I think the best part of that is just before next year, really. I think we needed to take this first step now so that going into 2021, hopefully all of the, all of these 
be a low number. But yeah, I think it was good that we got this across the line before the end of the year. Um, and the, the thing I want to ask you is how much do you think tickets will be? They announced it. It was announced in the um, press release. I'd have to have a look, but okay. they, they announced it. I think it was like fifty was one of the top prices, but... Oh, okay. You know, pr- pretty hefty prices, but then they're going to be because they're only selling a thousand of them. So it's kind of a mm. unique opportunity for someone to go to an AJ fight where normally they wouldn't be able to get tickets or they'd be priced out or, mm-hmm. or you know, they'd sell out a stadium or whatever. This this is that's how it will be marketed as, as a unique opportunity to see a unified world heavyweight champion defend his belt. What, what I'd like to know, and I'm not sure if this was in the press release, mm-hmm. was how many of the tickets, if any, are going to be given away in the, in the way that. I think Frank Warren talked about previously. I think Eddie Hearns mentioned it as well to key workers and, and people yeah. work for the NHS and so on. It'd be nice to mm-hmm. see um, a portion of, of those thousand tickets being given to the, to those people. Yeah, definitely. I agree as well. And I think in all honesty, I didn't even look because I didn't think the price range would be, uh, you know, in in sort of my price. Yeah, in terms of giving it to people of the NHS, yeah, the people who have done well for our country over like a tough time. Uh, that's probably, I don't know, I don't know if he's going to do it, but it looks like it's going to anyone who, who gets a ticket. Uh, I don't know how it how it works, really. Uh, as I said, I haven't even tried. But um, yeah, it's going to be interesting as well with the spatial is- issues. Do you think that being there is going to feel the same? Um, well, no, because I mean, you won't have... 50,000 people chanting and singing along to sweet yeah I mean but less surreal than no one there at all for an AJ fight which would have been incredibly bizarre I was talking to Adam Smith about it yesterday yeah name drop alert but um (laughs) we both agreed it'd be really surreal to have no fans now he must have known this was coming but didn't want to give me the exclusive clearly it's yeah interview's not even gone up yet so he could have said it but well I'll deal with him later (laughs) But um, yeah, I mean, it'll be it'll be slightly less strange maybe than that. But yeah, I mean, it won't be like a typical fight night. Um, but you'll be able to hear everything the fans are saying. So I hope the um, Sky bleep uh, machine operator is ready <laughs> to to do it, and the commentators are ready to apologise yeah. quite a lot for the language. Yeah, I know. I just I wonder how much they're going to open up of obviously the the arena because. It's not a massive arena, obviously nothing compared to Wembley Stadium. It's not as big as the O2 either, but obviously with a thousand, you're not going to. I think it's um, with the football. I, I'm not 100% sure. It's one person every four seats. You got to have three spaces, uh, seats in between everyone. So yeah, obviously it's not going to be, it's not going to be the same at all. But uh, I think one thing I will say is Frank Warren probably isn't happy right now. <laughs> Daniel Dubois lost on Saturday, and now he finds out his his rivals having the first show with fans back <laughs> well I think the Eddie Hearn's comments about Daniel Dubois defeat and the aftermath probably haven't gone down too well but I'm speaking to Frank in about an hour so I'll find out what his yeah. views on all of it are mm-hmm. I'm ready to take any associated flack that comes with them but yeah I mean I don't think it matters from a boxing fans point of view who goes first it's the fact that someone has done it and yeah. uh, it should lead the precedent set now matter. and it should should just increase from here on, especially with the news today about the vaccine as well. Yeah, um, it's been approved for use. We've got loads of it. Apparently, the, the you know, we're going to be the first to deploy it mm-hmm. out of all the main countries. Uh, that, that's a positive. I mean, I know. On the vaccine. Yeah. But anything that kind of has a positive hue on it at the moment is, is appreciated in yeah. terms of getting back to normal. 
Um, we're getting more and more shows at the moment, and the fact that we can now get fans in, albeit in a small number, has got to be seen as a step in the right direction. Do you think boxers will refuse to take vaccines, even though, say, they're offered a fight? Do you think there's a there's a, a number of boxers who will say, no, I don't want to, I don't trust it, or do you think we won't have a problem with that? I think it depends. It depends what the rules are, because at the moment there's people kind of putting out scare tactics saying well what if it's if pubs and restaurants say you can't come in unless you can prove exactly you the and then everyone and will be love it yeah it sounds crazy <laughs> they'll be drinking the vaccine then yeah. <laughs> it sounds nuts but then for for sporting competition i could see something like that coming in it mm. wouldn't surprise me if the board of control said we are going to ask all our licensed boxers to have the vaccine and to do it as part of their medical procedure like it's a mandatory thing where they have to prove yeah. they've got the vaccine certificate to go on yeah. to a board sponsored show or board sanctioned show rather I don't yeah. know if that will that will happen. I haven't got any inside information on that, but it wouldn't surprise me if it happened. And if it does, I think all boxers will take it. I don't think they're there to earn money, aren't they? And they'd be crazy not to to do whatever they have to do. There might be protests about yeah. it, and they might not like it, but you do what you do. It's like not all boxers might want to have an MRI scan, but it's yeah. part of the process. Yeah, true. I think one thing I will say, it's a little bit off the topic of boxing, but funnily enough, people will want to take it for specific reasons. So, for example, people my age, might want to take it so they can go to the football, go to concerts, the older people go to football, things like that. But the older age, the people who actually should be taking it, they don't have concerts to go to. They're not a, the, the prime age for people who go to football stadiums and, and, and massive events with loads of people. I know that might sound quite stereotypical and there will be, will be older people who go to football and, and other things like that. But, but it's interesting to, to see like that how many people do do it if it's optional but uh that's that's sort of off topic but yeah um i'm just excited to see it finally crowds back um and hopefully we can we can be at some of the events with crowds again even though socially distanced again soon yeah fingers crossed i mean you would think this would be the first of many although it's the last major uk show of the year i think the um, yeah major um, show but then from january onwards I think people have already started talking about January shows, both Matchroom, MTK, Frank Warren. So you would hope that fans will be still allowed in either at a thousand or by that point with reviews of the tier system and the the results yeah. coming through as well of the um, pandemic, the the how many people have got it, new cases and stuff, so on. It might increase gradually, yeah. might kind of staircase it. So that would be great if by January we're looking at you know two, three thousand or or a certain, or maybe it will be based on capacity by then rather than a thousand. Yeah. Maybe it'll be you know. 30% capacity of whatever venue you choose. Yeah. I mean, it's hard for promoters because they're going to lose money on, on that mm. area of things. Even, But then some gate money is better than none. Presumably, yeah. they're still paying a hefty whack for the venue regardless. Have Wembley Arena with 1,000 people and Wembley Arena with none. Well, something Dana White said, obviously, over with the UFC, he's got the, the apex in Las Vegas, so he doesn't have any room for any fans. But because he's got sort of his own complex, he can do his own stuff there, he doesn't have to go ask anyone what to do and all of this stuff. He's even said, unless I can fill a full arena, I'm not going anywhere, I'm not doing a 30% arena, even if it's with McGregor. Um, obviously, they wanted to do a stadium in America, I think it's called the Cowboy Stadium. Um, and yeah, he's just said either a full stadium, full of crowds, um, or no crowd at all. So I think it's going to be different in the UK. But um, yeah, I mean, he gets the TV rights and the pay-per-view Right, so he yeah. doesn't really need. I mean, obviously the gate's great, and he's lost a lot of money. Not lost money, but he's lost yeah. the amount of profit he would have had from yeah. the gate. But he can survive 
for as long as he wants to, really, just with the pay-per-view and the TV money that he gets. I don't think, because boxing doesn't have that overriding brand like UFC is to MMA, that's where they struggle. Exactly. Gate money makes a, makes a big difference in boxing. Yeah. So this is a positive thing for promoters, hopefully filters down in, t- in terms of purses and f- for the fighters as well, because you'd like to see them getting you know back to their normal purses. It's not the most well-paid sport anyway. So fingers mm-hmm. crossed, you know, it's, it's a positive step. But plenty more to do. Plenty, still a lot further to go. Well, it's been ten months in total, but finally fans are back on December the twelfth at the SSE Wembley Arena. Thank you for watching. I've been Jolie with Danny Flexen. We'll see you soon. Is your debt causing you sleepless nights? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. And your debt won't be the only thing keeping you up at night. Debt KO. Free, impartial advice on all your debt. Oscar Bevis, IFL TV, MTK Global. Delighted to be joined in Matrim's residency. Do you want me to restart? Carry on. Let's go with Shannon Courtney. How are you, Shannon? I'm good. How are you? I'm very well. Um, I know Coogan gets the best out in you, so I feel like there is a lot of pressure when someone interviews you nowadays. It's just because, I don't know, we're friends outside the ring, outside of boxing, so he, he gets my banter. He brings out the best in me, I guess, on camera. So, uh, yeah, good luck today. I might be really, really awkward just for the camera for you. Give me sort of a test for, uh, on Coogan's behalf. <laughs> Um, Dorota Norek, if I believe I pronounced that correctly, I heard you just say to Sky that she's awkward, mm-hmm. and if someone's awkward, that makes it awkward for you, no matter what your style is. Is this going to be a bit of a tricky one? Um, I think we've, oh, we've had a little bit of a, a crap time getting the opponent because it's been changed four times in the last week. We only like, locked her in the other day, so hence why the, the late announcement. Um, yeah, she just, she holds a lot from what I've seen. She holds a lot, kind of makes it look like a, I think the correct word is aesthetically unappealing, which is obviously frustrating. I feel like you're going to whack me in the face with that, that thing any minute now. Um, that thing, that sounds horrendous. The microphone. Um. <laughs> you don't help. You're moving, you're moving backwards. I'm just sort of moving forward. I'm so close. I'm thinking any minute now, he's going to headbutt me. Um, yeah, so I think timing's going to be key in this fight. Um, just to not let her hold if she does hold, to keep my calm, keep a cool head, work on the inside, um, and just try and land clean so that she can't keep holding and ruining the fight and making it making it look like a boring, awkward fight. And it just, them kind of fights don't do women's boxing any justice. With the list of opponents that's put forward, do you look at it from in terms of, you know, no one in this country knows the road to Norek and they probably won't be too familiar with the other guys on the list, but do you just look at it from a style perspective? You want someone with a style that perhaps you haven't faced yet, a style that you'll need going forward? Is that how you look at it? I don't choose the opponents. Is that how the team look at it then? Is that how Adam looks at it and stuff? I don't know. I think at the moment we just we didn't really have a great choice. You know, There's not a great depth in the women's boxing, especially at the lower weight categories. Obviously, we're going through a pandemic right now. So pickings are slim. And pickings are slim, and if she's going to hold, 
And are we going to get Shannon Courtney back where you're going to step back and just unleash your right hand and we're going to get a highlight reel one? We'll have to see. Listen, it's not about always getting the highlight reel knockouts. They're nice to get, don't get me wrong. But it's just about getting the win. No matter how it happens, the win is the most important thing. And then Christmas. You're looking forward to Christmas, I can tell. What would you, this whole year, I mean, it's not been a great year for anyone. It hasn't been a great year for boxing in general. When boxing picked up, I feel like boxing's returned pretty well. We've had big fights, we've had good fights as well. But um, is this just a year you just want to win and just get out of the way? This has been the shittest year ever. Horrendous year. So, oh, I'll be looking forward to seeing the back of the 2020 twins. Once it hits midnight on New Year's Eve, do a shot and we never talk about this year ever again okay um but i suppose people will look at 2021 from a boxing perspective for you because boxing's like that it's always very what's next what's next what's next um but are you in that mindset right now of what's next or can you not be no no you can't you can never overlook what's in front of you so all i'm thinking about is friday night um get the win and then we look at next i know that next year is going to be a very big year for me there's been things said to me discussions had and I'm like well December 4th then we can discuss it properly I just want to get the win it's been a long camp it's been a very grueling hard camp you know I've moved down to Surrey been living in a hotel near the gym uh, so it's been difficult you know not seeing my family it's been really hard even today December 1st it's my baby sister's 14th birthday and I'm not there for her birthday I feel awful but I FaceTime this, it's all good. But, you know, you make these sacrifices. But I choose to do this. No one's making me do it. So I can't sit here and complain. It is what it is. Um, but I'm looking forward to after this fight, spending some time with my family and my friends, chilling out for a little bit, um, still ticking over, and then ready for a huge 2021. I suppose that's motivation as well, because what's the point of making the sacrifice, not being there for your sister's birthday, not seeing your family at the start of December, if you're going to go out there not give it 100%, not put the graft in in training camp. So I suppose that's the motivation as well. If you're going to make the sacrifices, you put fucking work in. 100%. We, we, choose, we choose to do this. You get people that complain, oh, I haven't seen my friends for this long or I haven't eaten this or, you know, da-da-da. But you could eat it if you want to. Yeah, don't do it then. This is the sport we choose to be in, you know. If, if it was easy, everyone would do it. So this is what it takes to be to be a world champion and that's where I want to end up one day. So any means necessary. All right, Shannon, I want to ask you just quickly about Saturday's events. I suppose it's not going to be quick because there has been so much backlash from this, aftermath, in the ring, out the ring. Um, obviously, you trained in Adam Booth's gym. They were very adamant, especially Mick Conlon, that Joe Joyce was going to get the job done, and Joe Joyce did get the job done. The sort of response towards Daniel was obviously centred around the fact that he took the knee. Um, just your thoughts, you feel like he's been in a bit of unfair spotlight perhaps after Saturday do you know what's actually annoying me a little bit about this entire situation is that everyone seems to be focusing on that Daniel quit as, as people are saying or that the eye did a let's stop talking about that for one second let's give Joe Joyce props he got the job done with his jab he, he only used his jab he boxed fantastically he was switched on he kept moving away from the right hand that Daniel was known for having and I've seen Joe go. He could have stepped it up two, three more times if he needed to. So let's, let's give Joe the props he deserves. Um, as far as it goes to Daniel Dubois, I think it's easy for any person to sit there that's never been in a boxing ring, sat on their sofa with a bag of Doritos and a Carlsberg in their hand and say, oh, he quit. 
when they couldn't even get off a sofa and go for a run. Do you know what I mean? It's, you don't know. That, that poor lad's done... Is he fractured his eye socket? Yeah, it's orbital, yeah. yeah that's, that's not an easy thing to do, you know. Me, personally, I feel like you'd have to drag my corpse out of a ring. I'd rather go out on my shield, but you don't know what... They reckon that's, like, one of the worst pains. Like, I've, I overheard someone saying a while ago, it's like um, a need... I think it was Adam Booth saying, when that happens, like, a hot needle going through your eye. So, to ha and that injury happened early on in the fight, like round two. So to have that for another eight rounds, I don't think you can sit there and judge that until you've been in that person's shoes. But um, I think no matter what he was going to throw, I feel like Joe had an answer for it. And also I'm disgusted in the fact that one judge gave it eight rounds to Daniel. What was he watching? But well done, Joe Joyce. And I said to everyone I knew, put money on rounds nine to 12, he will get, he'll stop him late. It was ah, oh, Joe Joyce will get knocked out the first four rounds. That guy's chin is an absolute joke. He's made of steel. I don't think you can knock Joe Joyce out. So, well done, Joe. Again, on Daniel, and not even on Daniel, but do we need to sort of remove a stigma from quitting in boxing? Because I suppose the word quit is quite a big word. Turning your back is one thing. But in a situation like that, do we need to sort of remove stigma for fighters? Because, you know, I think if it went on for a little bit longer, Daniel could have lost his eyesight. And that's no joke. And the thing is, he's so early on in his career, he's so young that he can come back. But imagine if he would have carried on for the next two rounds and had a career-ending um, injury. Imagine he wound up being blind because of it. Then everyone would have said, oh, he should have taken a knee. His corner should have pulled him out. So I kind of feel like he can't win no matter what he's done, to be honest. Um, he might look back on his career and say, that was the smartest thing I ever did because now I have got a career and I've gone on to win a world championship. So he'll come back. He's young. So if he thinks that's the right decision for him that he made, fair enough. You look at someone like Anthony Gogo. He carried on and his career ended because of it. So you have to be, you have to be wise. I think it's very easy for people to sit there and, and say quit when they don't know that they're not, they're not in that circumstance. Yeah, and I definitely think that um, people have to respect the fact that boxers put it in on the line every time they, they go into the ring. Just finally on yourself, uh, can we get a prediction? Say someone's sitting at home on the sofa with a bag of Doritos and a Carlsberg, like you said, they've got a tenner in the bank account, they're looking at Shannon Courtney against the Rota Narek. Where do they put their money? Stoppage late, early points, masterclass? Does Shannon Courtney win? Yeah. Shannon Courtney win outright? Clean. Yeah. Nice, clean, calm performance. Um, yeah, styly. Is your debt causing you sleepless nights? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. And your debt won't be the only thing keeping you up at night. Debt KO. Free, impartial advice on all your debt. Flexon here for Seconds Out. Delighted to be joined once again by Hall of Fame promoter Frank Warren. Very busy time and of course yesterday celebrated, I don't know if that's the right word, I don't know, did, did you celebrate your 40 years in boxing? It was the anniversary yesterday, did you have a little party in the office? All the pubs are shut mate, no social gatherings. <laughs> we will do though, tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a little celebration tomorrow. Oh, lovely. I hope someone's got you a, a cake. A bigger one when we can all get together. Yeah, we'll look forward to that.
Um, it's been a very, very busy week, and we'll talk about um, the Anthony Yardlin and Arthur show in due course. But obviously, we've just come off huge show. Uh, and before we look at the fight itself between Daniel Dubois and Joe Joyce, what are the early indications in terms of viewership on BT? Is it is it going to be a big number? Are you happy? Yeah, we haven't got the final numbers yet, Dan, but I understand it's peaked the highest audience um, of uh, subscription TV this year. So again, we've delivered the biggest audience for the second year running. Oh, that's excellent. You must be delighted with that. You beat your own record. Yeah, well, I like beating my own records. Now, <laughs> now we beat our own record. And, we, and what we, once we got all the numbers together, which we should, I was hoping we hadn't today, as soon as we got them, we'll put them out there. I mean, absolutely huge fight, both in the build-up, everyone was looking forward to it, and people still talk about it now, which is usually a good sign. Didn't go the way you predicted, and probably not exactly the way you hoped either. But how do you assess the fight? I'm sure you've watched it back at least once. It wasn't how how I hoped, Dan. I hoped it would be a good fight. First and foremost, we're promoters. And the two two fighters have different respective managers. I was asked my opinion. You asked me my my opinion. And I said, I fancied Daniel to to win the fight in a tough fight. And I said that I I didn't think he'd go the distance. And I said that it's going to be about the jabs, you know, who goes out there and and gets the game plan going. And, uh, you know, Joe did. He got, he, 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 um, done Daniel's eye. Was it in the sort of last, first round, second round, and it was closing up after that. And he continued to work on that. Oh, and there were his tactics and they were very, very successful. That's what happened. And he boxed very well. But scoring wise, there was nothing in it. I had Daniel, I think about a round up. I said some people had had it the other way round. Um, two judges, the border control judge, two of the three had him up. Um, so it was it was all set for a great final three rounds, but he had never got there anyway. You know, that eye was closed. It was all over. And, um, you know, he'd have been pulled out at the end of the round. They've had to pull him out anyway. But, you know, Daniel quite quite right, wisely, and now we know with the benefit of hindsight, we know the reason why why, why he took the knee because of the terrible, terrible pain he was getting. He was in excruciating pain from the nerve damage. And uh, we had, we've had the diagno- diagnosis now. He's, had, he's attended uh, aesthetics, which is uh, specialises in, uh, in, in eye injuries, on three days running now because the, a lot of things they can't do because it's still, his eyes still swollen. Cool. So it's not like they can do anything until that swelling goes down. But they diagnose and we have that written confirmation today that he has uh, a broken orbital. It's the floor, the floor bone of the orbital that's broken. He had um, a hemorrhage in his retina. And had it continued, it, it may have it may have caused uh, Hopefully not. They may have may have caused a detached retina or serious eye damage, which may have been the end of his career. So he did exactly the right thing. And what annoys me about it is, and I've got to say it is, and I've said it in other interviews, is you got that moron over at Matchroom stating, you know, that we made this up. It was a lie. You'd like to see the evidence, and it, you know, basically calling everybody a liar without any any without any, you know. Any consideration, or waiting for some medical, you know, wait, waiting for, an, you know, for what, what was the, what was the, from a doctor, you know, he's suddenly an expert, expert on eye injuries, which he should be after what he, after putting in, Kel Brooking, tough fights, which damaged his eye sockets twice, you know, over his, over his weight division, but that's what it is, and it annoys me, and, he, and I think yesterday something went out about me, it's all, uh, you know, it's all fair game because I had a go at Dillian White. 
after he got beat and I said, you're not a mandatory anymore. Well, that was right. I was absolutely delighted Dillian White got beaten. The reason I was delighted he got beaten because he got rid of the obstacle that he was so that we could get straight to the fight that everybody, all the fans want to see, which is Tyson Fury against Anthony Joshua. I didn't criticise or say he wasn't injured or he wasn't knocked out, no more than when AJ had his fight against Ruiz in New York. And the referee asked him, was, you know, did he want to fight on? And he obviously was in, he was, he was in, in problems. And he said, no. And Heron immediately afterwards came out and said he was concussed. Did I say, you know, he wasn't concussed, it was a lie? I said, you know, he didn't want to, he, didn't want to, he couldn't carry on. And that was it. I thought he was concussed. I heard he was concussed going into the fight. And I remember saying at the time, anybody who put him in that fight whilst he was concussed, you'd be ashamed of themselves. But the fact of the matter is, you know, Daniel did the right thing. And I'm very grateful to the people in the trade, such as Anthony Joshua, who came out quite, um, you know, in, in support of Daniel's decision today. And I'll take my hat off to Anthony to, for, for doing that. And to Anthony Gogo, who actually been through it, and his career was wrecked as a result of continuing to fight while he can only see 20, 20% out of his eye. Uh, Derek Chisora, not made it public. He sent a very supportive me message, and as did David Hay, who sent him a supportive me message after knowing what the full facts are. So, uh, you know, it was, uh, it, it was, you know, it is what it is. He, he took the knee, he took the knee, and he went down to take a res respite because he was in terrible pain and he just could not see out his eye. And I've just been speaking to the doctor, and she just told me, you get a, a jug and a glass of water and you try and tip the, close one eye and tip the water into the glass, it won't go in the glass because you can't see all your distancing is gone and so forth. He couldn't see out of his eye anyway for nearly three rounds. That being said, all this, what's going down there, is taking it away from the winner who fought extremely well in a very high, you know, high tempo, fast fight. I think they threw so many punches, many more punches than you'd already get in a heavyweight fight. It was exciting. And, you know, Anthony, uh, uh, sorry, um, Joe Joyce done tremendously well and set himself up for some big fights for next year. And it's unfortunate all this other stuff has, has, has basically um, become such an issue. I'll try not to dwell on that other stuff for too long. No, I haven't got, I haven't got a problem. You know, it's a, you know, you look at this, I'm, you know, you started off by saying, you know, 40 years and what am I doing? What I've been doing for the last couple of days, you know, over my 40th anniversary of being in the in, in the game, is being astonished by the lack of the lack of empathy, the lack of any common sense from people. You know, Anthony Joshua made a real. I never even thought about it. He made a real, quite quite a real telling comment. You know, MMA fighters, which we all think is quite brutal, and people look at it and you know they love all all the violence of it. They can tap out. They're getting hurt. They tap out. I made the same you know point I mean? to um, Darren Hanley yesterday. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you, I mean, you've you, you, you obviously been doing all these interviews. And, and, you know, and I'll go back to, and I said it again on a few interviews. You know, you go Ben McClellan. I promoted that fight. And he went down on one knee in that fight, McClellan. And Ferdy Pacheco, who was the, who, you know, Ali's doctor, Mohammed Ali's doctor, who said that Ali should never fight again. He was commentating for Showtime and said at the time that, you know, basically quit or he dogged it, whatever the phrase was, what he used, when three hours later he was having a blood clot removed from his brain and unfortunately now he's in, in a wheelchair and blind. So it's, 
it's very easy for all these people to say these things. That there is a reason. And I've said things in the past where I've looked at fighters and I've said, oh, you know, he didn't fancy it or he's quit. And, it's, and I've seen fighters quit. You know, Roberto Duran wasn't injured. He just quit in his fight against um, against uh, Ray Leonard. He quit in that fight because he was getting outboxed and that, that's what happened. But I just felt that uh, it was all totally unnecessary and I thought that, I thought Herm was totally out of order, totally out of order. He should know better than that, being an ex-amateur fighter. With that, <laughs> I want to see that card, by the way, that amateur club that he was at. He should know what fighters go through when they get hit. I mean, I should say, he didn't say it was an out-and-out -out lie. What he said was that most fighters would have put an X-ray up, which I thought was unnecessary in itself. No, he didn't say that. He said they were, no, 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 he said they were lying. I've seen I've seen the quotes. That's what he said. That's oh, what he said. And, an, oh. and and by the way, you put an X-ray out. Well, he put this comment out Monday morning. What was he had? You know, we got all this information. You have to go through a process. You have As he to well, put an X-ray up anyway. I think is the point. Anyway, it? but but the fact I'm going to put an X-ray up for him. But the fact is, the 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 letter that we received from the doctor and what's going to happen, we will we will post that when we get it. We talked about all the audio. And we expect to end, and, and he should then apologise unreservedly to Daniel Dubois. Now, what one essence, one element of this I did want to ask you about is the effect on Daniel Dubois, not of, just of the defeat itself, which was obviously very painful, both physically and emotionally, but the aftermath. Like you said, there's a lot of unnecessary comments. It's not just been Hearn. There's been plenty of other. His might be egregious. There's a lot of other people that have said things that. Well, his was basically, his basically was a pop at me, wasn't it? That's really what he's at. But you know, uh, I, 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 you know, in some ways, I get that. But it's a bad. It, it was done in a bad way. But how does Daniel feel? He's disappointed. He's absolutely disappointed. You know, he felt he was still in the fight, even with one eye. And he, but but it was what it was. And you know, he's obviously going. Um, Mega pressure on him for his next fight. When he, when, if, please God, he can fight again. He'll have mega pressure on him, and uh, he'll prove everybody wrong, or he won't. But I think he will. Have you spoken to him much since the fight? And and how aware is he of some of the stuff that is coming out on social media and so on, and the ex-fighters and stuff? I've spoken to him, and I've spoken to his father uh, more, and uh, obviously they're quite, they're quite, they're very, very disappointed, very, very disappointed, but. It is what it is. Now, that's the world we're in now, isn't it? That's how it is. That's the world we're in. And uh, it's up to them now to, which they will, to prove them wrong. There's been a lot of comments, um, both before the fight and since the fight, about Joe Joyce's relationship with you guys. You're obviously in a long-term promotional agreement. He's a, he's a Queensbury Promotions fighter. But going into the Dubois fight, and he said this himself, he felt a little bit like an outsider in his own promotional company because Dubois was with you from the very start of his career. Um, what happens now with Joe? Is it you get right behind him and, and everything that would have been there for Daniel is now there for Joe? Look, I bought his contract, or Queensbury bought his contract from um, Richard Schaefer. We paid hundreds of thousands of dollars for that contract. We give him... Uh, two fights, Ustinov and Jennings. Big, quite, you know, ranked guys. We got him in there with them. We give him a platform. Um, he's had numerous fights with him. I said before the fight, there'll be a winner and a loser. I said that the winner will go on to big things next year, which they will. And we won't, we, and we will not uh, be dropping out the loser. And we won't. 
and hit them, we will get behind him. Of course he feels like an outsider. You know, we signed Daniel. Daniel was with us before he was. I understand his feelings from that. But um, I've never said anything disparaging against him. I mean, you know, Hearn, and I, and I keep mentioning people, I'll keep going on about him. Hearn's now saying he's a world-class fighter. Before the fight, he said they were two novices. <laughs> yeah. they, were, they did. And the point, that's the point I'm making about all this. They, they were both world-class fighters. They were both world-ranked, both from ranks in... In, 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 in top tens of various governing bodies. Joe now will benefit from that. He'll benefit from that. And and, and I think uh, Sam Jones uh, actually said yesterday what it is. You know, they're with Queensbury, uh, which they are contractually, but it's not just contractually. We'll, we'll, we'll do everything we can to, to move him forward. And I'll put every, everything I can on my resources to ensure he gets his shot on the world title this year. And, by the way, who knows? There'll be a rematch down the road. You know, there's some good fights to be made there with them. On that subject of a potential world title shot, the president of the WBO, Paco Valcarcel, went on social media in the days leading up to the fight to talk about whether the international belt would be on the line or not. Will that have any impact now on Joe? It was on the line. It was. It was on the line, yeah. So, will Joe logically take Daniel's position with the WBO as number two. That's you, We'll find out when they do their next ratings. But is that what you'd expect? And, and would you push for that? What I'd like. It's what I'd like. It's what I'd like, but we'll see what happens. And if he does, would you... We don't know if Anthony Joshua is going to vacate that WBO belt or not. But if he does, would you like to see Joyce's next fight be with Usyk? Or would you like to see him yeah. one or two more first? No, I'd like, I mean, look, I, I know what I'd like to see, and I know what he wants and his connections want, and they want that fight. They made that very clear after the fight, didn't they? I mean, I don't mean me to bang the drum saying what they want. They know what they want. They've said what they want. Do you fancy him strongly against Usyk? For me, I think Joshua matches up better style-wise with Joe. I think Joshua's a better fight for Joe than Usyk. Look, I would you know, before the, before the fight, I said I fancied either of the guys against Usyk. And the reason I say that, because they're big men, and Joe's an even bigger guy. And my only, I think the only concern with a lot of people made when with Joe was, you know, is that what's his, what was his speed going to be like? What tempo does he fight at? But as he showed in the fight on Saturday, it was fought, as I mentioned earlier, a very, very high tempo. The fitness levels were, were amazing with, with both the guys. And for him being 35 years of age, the amount of shots that he threw, the same as the same as uh, with Daniel as well, both of them threw, as, I, as again, as I said, I'm repeating myself, more, more. I think it's nearly double the amount of punches normally a heavyweight uh, throws in a fight. So I wouldn't have a problem with him, with Usyk. Usyk, uh, he's, he moves, he's fast. Um, how, do I, how do I think, how do I think that... Uh, I don't think Joe Joyce would go with Chad Witherspoon. I think he'd stop him all day long. You know, with Derek, it's another great fight. Uh, but I've got to fancy him big time in that one. Um, I've, I think that I think he's got to beat them. But the only way you're going to find that out, it's all opinions, is for them to get in the ring and fight each other.
And there they are, ladies and gentlemen, the main event of the evening, 12 rounds, WBC and IBF welterweight championship of the world. And now back to Ray Flores, handle the Q&A session. Ray, all you. For me, it's just a lifelong dream. It's something that I've been wanting for a long time, and to be fighting again in my hometown means the world to me, especially as a comeback fight. And uh, just having my core fans and people that supported me since day one be there at the fight, man, it means everything, and I won't let this moment go to waste. For Danny, you are coming here to the Dallas area. You're from Philadelphia. It's well documented in football, the rivalry between the Cowboys and the Eagles. Do you relish the opportunity to potentially win these world titles in quote-unquote enemy territory? You know, first of all, you know, before I answer your question, you know, I want to thank God for putting me on this stage and having a healthy camp and making it here to Texas, blessed with a great team and a great family. You know, I want to thank Al Heyman. I want to thank Fox. I want to thank the media and everyone who helped make this big event. You know, as far as coming to Texas, Texas has always been great to me. You know, as a prospect, I was I fought here a lot of times. Not here in Dallas, but in Houston. And in 2012, um, I won my first world title in uh, Texas, Houston, Texas. So, you know, I have a lot of fans here in Texas, and you know, it's it's. I feel like as a home away from home, it's a special place for me, you know, because I won my first world title here, and I don't look at it like I'm going away. I just look at it like I'm going to handle business. Errol, October 10th, 2019 is a day that you will always remember. It's when you suffered that horrific car accident, and lo and behold, over 14 months later, you're back inside the ring defending your world championships against Danny Garcia on pay-per-view. Can you tell us about the journey that you have experienced over these past 14 months? Man, really just a lot of hard work and a lot of discipline. You know, having my, my family and you know, my parents and my coach and, and my day one friends and people just supporting me and just seeing my kids every day. You know, I wanted to get back and, you know, just train hard and stay in the gym and stay focused and, you know, don't let outside distractions get to me. And that's basically, you know, what I did. You know, it was a lot of times, you know, I wanted to give up, I wanted to quit. But, you know, just seeing, you know, my loved ones and, you know, not want to let my kids down because when they get older, how I'm going to tell them to keep going when they want to quit at something if I had quit, you know. So when I went to the clinic and went to the doctors and they told me, you know, basically I didn't have any brain swelling or any blood in my brain, anything like that, you know, I decided to continue my career and to get back, and that's basically what we did. Me and my coach been in the gym since since probably February, and just been grinding hard. And you know, we to this point, and now we back. I'm 100%. I'm ready. Um, he's seen my reaction time. He's seen my sparring, and you know how I do on the mitts and on the bag, and everything's back on point and back to you know to where it was. So I feel great, and everybody's gonna see. You know, the same Earl Spin Jr. post-car accident. Would you say that the car accident and everything you went through 
renewed your love for the sport of boxing, not that you didn't take it seriously before, but did it really open up your eyes on to, as to what matters in your life and renew that love for the sport of boxing? Um, I wouldn't say renew any love because, you know, I, I never felt out of love with boxing, but I, I think it did renew my focus and got me back focused on the things that got me to, you know, the top of the mountain, and that's just being in the gym every day and things like that because at some point I was, you know, after a fight, you know, it started taking a week off to two weeks off to a month off to, you know, basically being in the gym when it was fight time. So, you know, now we've been in the gym, like I said, since February, just grinding hard, you know, staying focused and staying on the grind. And that's what got me to the point that to be unified champion and to get to the mountaintop and just being in the gym every day and just grinding. So, you know, I think it really did help me. And especially, you know, just, you know, you realize that, you know, having this time on earth, it's a luxury. You know, and you, you already realize that being this young, you know, you think you're invincible and you think, you know, nothing can happen to you. But when something do happen to you, you know, you just realize, you know, the time is important, especially spending with your family and uh, your loved ones and people that really care about you and that you really care about. So for that standpoint, that's why, you know, I actually moved out of downtown, got a ranch and, you know, got horses and, you know, different cattle and things like that, and, you know, got a pool, and I'm, you know, outside with my kids, enjoying the time with my kids and my family, just had a newborn son and a girlfriend, and, you know, just, you know, enjoying life more and the people that care about me more than just, you know, all, all the outside influences that, and what you'll call distractions. Danny, you've been calling out Errol Spence for over two years now. Now that we are just three days away, until you have that opportunity to go ahead and become the first blemish on Errol Spence's dossier. What's going through your mind? Hey, hold on. We got to start with the cat because nobody called me out for two years. Ain't nobody in Boston been calling me out for two years. He did call me out. That was a year ago. A year ago, but nobody been calling me out for two years. Yeah, I've never been a fighter to chase fighters anyway because I feel like I'm the fighter, but I definitely did call him out um, a year ago. Um, well, a little less than a year ago. And um, the fight was supposed to happen in January. It didn't happen. But, you know, like I said, boxing is a sport of timing. And the time is now. I feel great. Had a tremendous camp. You know, I did everything I was supposed to do. Now it's just time to go out there on Saturday night and do what I do best and win. Errol, you could have easily, in your comeback fight, taken a tune-up. Instead, he wanted Danny Garcia. Why so? Well, we already had the prior agreement that I was going to fight Danny Garcia. You know, nobody forced me to fight Danny Garcia. I could have took a tune-up, but, you know, I wanted somebody dangerous who's going to, you know, keep me focused and, you know, keep me in the gym and training hard. And I had to make sure I was going to be 100% on point. If I have took a tune-up fight or, you know, somebody that I was supposed to beat, you know, I feel like, you know, that 100%, you know, fire wouldn't all the way been there. Of course, I don't want the victory and I don't want to win, but, you know, fighting somebody with a great name like Danny Garcia and a great fighter like Danny Garcia, you know, it just pushed me to another level and pushed me to the level that I'm supposed to be at. Danny, you're the underdog coming into this fight. 
Does that anger you? Does that upset you? Or is it something that you pay no mind to? I don't pay no mind to that. You know, I've been the underdog in many fights. Um, I just prepare myself. I worry about Danny Garcia training hard. I don't worry about the critics, the media, what they say about me. I know that I'm a great champion. I'm a great fighter. And that's why I'm here today. And um, that's what I'm going to prove Saturday night, that I'm a great champion. Well, speaking of champion, you haven't been a welterweight champion uh, for a few years. How much do you crave, once again, putting gold around your waist? You have that opportunity on Saturday night. Oh, it's a very great opportunity. You know, there's no, there's no um, feeling in the world like winning. And winning a world title is the best feeling in the world. You know, you can't take that for granted. I took it for granted a few times, and, you know, it um, got the best of me. But you know what? In, in this world, you live off your mis you learn off your mistakes. You become a better person. You become a better man. And uh, that's why I'm here today. And, Errol, when it comes to your training, your trainer, Derek James, has told me on numerous occasions that you are hitting harder than what you ever have over the course of your professional career. Why is that so? Uh, I don't know. I feel like, I don't know about hitting harder, but I do feel like, you know, I'm sharper than, you know, I ever was. And, you know, I'm making weight easier than I ever did before. And I just feel like, you know, the focus is there. And the focus is there, like, you know, when I started my professional career when I to get to this level. So, you know, I just feel like I got a renewed focus and, you know, everything's clicking. And basically, I'm eating, sleeping, and pooping. <laughs> <laughs> Boxing. Errol, this is your third straight fight on PBC Fox Sports pay-per-view. What does it mean for you to be headlining a card of this magnitude? Uh, it means everything. Like I said, like I said at the beginning of my career, I used to say all the time on social media, you know, the tables turned. You know, a lot of these guys didn't want to let me in. Well, you know, I'm finally in and, um, you know, fighting that on Fox pay-per-view, I feel like that's just the upper echelon. That's where the top fighters are fighting. And for me to get this opportunity over and over, I mean, it's great for me. It's great for my career, and I, and I love it. So I just got to continue to do what I've been doing, and that's winning. Danny, you fought on big cards before, but this is the first time that you are headlining on pay-per-view. Does it feel any different? Do, is there any extra added specialness to this opportunity? Yeah, we definitely know what's at stake. You know, we work hard every day in the gym. We push ourselves to the limit. We know this is the biggest stage, but I've been here before many times. You know, I've been headlining fights for eight years straight, you know, at a championship level. So, you know, the only thing that's different is just the pay-per-view. People just got to buy it. But I've always been a top-level fighter, always been fighting at this stage, and I'm just, you know, taking it like another fight. We'll go to your father, your trainer, Angel Garcia. Angel, yesterday you told me on PBC Instagram Live when I asked you about a prediction, you proclaimed to me a seventh-round stoppage for my son, Danny Garcia. Why do you feel that will be the case on Saturday night? Well, because we had a great camp. It's all, we left it in the gym. Everything is done. The job is done, man. We're here. What am I supposed to say? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I got to cheer for, for Danny Garcia. I mean, he's going to go out there and show the world true champions made of. And we've been on pay-per-view before, on the Floyd undercard. It wasn't our card, but it was our own press conference, our own everything with Matisse. 
So it's not the first time pay-per-view. You know, to the people it is. To us, it wasn't. Danny been here before. He done it. He done it before. He's going to do it again. You know what I'm saying? Danny just don't know how to win. He know how to kick your ass. So, Angel, does it anger you? Do you feel like Danny doesn't get the respect that he deserves as you see that Danny is the underdog heading into this pay-per-view showdown? Yeah, but it doesn't matter what the people think. At the end of the day, half of the people that write that shit, they never been punched in the tip of the nose. It's just people behind desks, man, making all these calls. Get in the ring. Well, then, well, well, why, don't, why don't they try it? Get in the ring with Danny. I don't want to do it. Just once in a while, he slips and punches me. I feel it in my fat toe. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's easy with the mouth. I could take your money with my mouth. Would I take it, though? It's a different page. Life is, hey, listen, man, life is crazy like this. That's why we're living through this, uh, this uh, epidemic right now. Because you know what people fear the most in America? It's death. And that's guaranteed. <laughs> Now we'll you know go what I'm to saying? we'll go to Derek the bird, James. The Birdman's here, brother. The, the, the Birdman. The Birdman is in the house. Right, so the says Angel Garcia. Now we'll go to we Derek. Derek James, the esteemed trainer of Errol Spence Jr. Derek, when you hear Angel Garcia say he's predicting a seventh round stoppage, obviously he believes in his son and he's behind him 120 percent. They believe they're going to win, but. The specific prediction about a seventh-round stoppage, what is your response to that? Well, I want to say, first of all, is that the respect that they say he doesn't get, I give it to him because I've seen what he's done throughout his career. Secondly, I mean, he, that's, I don't know about the knockout and all that. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't make predictions for myself or my guy. And um, he's supposed to believe in himself. He's supposed to believe in what he thinks his son is going to do. Why wouldn't he? And at the same time, we feel the exact same way. I, I don't... I don't go in and say we're going to get a knockout because I don't, I, I can't predict any of that, but I can predict that at the end we will be victors. We will win the fight or whatever, but I think that, you know, he's doing what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to believe in himself. You can't make it to this level and perform on this level consistently and not believe in yourself. So I think that without a doubt that, you know, it's, it's what it is. We don't have to talk, though. I mean, we, my guy's quiet. I'm quiet. We just, you know... You believe in yourself, you don't have to talk about it. So that's how I feel about it. Well, Arrow has proclaimed that he's in, and I saw him, he looks in impeccable shape. We were down in training camp with both guys. But how has this camp been different? Because I almost feel, and I see in Errol, uh, a different look, a more focus in his eyes. The demeanor is more calculated. Do you feel the same way out of the 2012 Olympian and the current unified welterweight champion in the world? Well, you know, I feel that way exactly. I think at the same time, it's like the level of respect that he talk about that he doesn't get from other people. We give him that respect, and that respect makes us coming harder, and respect makes us train harder, and respect makes him focus even more, but at the same time, he is this guy, he's focused on his task, he's focused on constantly proving that he is the best welterweight in the world. So that's really where the focus comes from. So you see, basically, what I would say, like the eye of the tiger, is because you see him on his grind, constantly working out, nonstop, and you see the fire in his eyes, and that's what, that's what it really is. So it's not so much about... Um, all the other things is about his focus, it's about his respect for himself, respect for Danny Garcia in the game, and how, you know, respect makes you be people. Respect keeps you honest. And that's what you see is honesty.
We'll go back to Danny Garcia. Danny, your father told me that he anticipates there'll be moments in the fight where it will be a toe-to-toe -to -toe battle. How have you gotten yourself prepared mentally and physically for those kind of exchanges on Saturday night against Errol Spence Jr.? You know, working in the gym, working in the gym, working on all kinds of stuff, working on boxing, working on banging it out, working on moving, walking them down. So, you know, we worked on everything. So at this level, you got to be able to do everything. You just can't go in there and think you're going to slug it out and it'd be a whole different story. So we definitely prepared for a lot of things. That's why we had different sparring partners. We had guys who come at us. We had young guys who move all types of styles. So we'd be prepared for Saturday night. Errol, for you, what are you hoping to prove on Saturday night against Danny Garcia on Fox Sports PBC pay-per-view? I mean, the only thing I'm gonna prove that you know I'm still the same. I, you know, and I'm I'm a realist. I'm realistic. I know people, you know, have a lot of questions. Am I still the same? Am I shelling myself? And if I'd have looked at the accident and somebody would have had, I would have said the same thing too, and I'd have had questions too. So. You know, that's basically, you know, the questions that need to be answered, and I feel like that wouldn't have been answered if I would have fought, you know, a light, lighter competition. So I feel like, you know, a lot of stuff will be answered come December 5th that people have that haven't been in the gym need to see. So, you know, I just expect for myself to be 100% on point, sharp, and, uh, you know, just accurate with my shots. Danny. What do you want to tell Errol Spence as we are just three days away until your welterweight showdown? And also, in a perfect world, how does this fight end? You know, it's not really much to say. You know, all the hard work is done. You know, you can say what you want to say. I know I'm here in Texas and I'm ready, you know, for the fight of my life. I'm ready for whatever. And um, come Saturday night, I will be victorious. Errol, in a perfect world, how does the fight end on Saturday night? Well, the fight ends by me winning, and life taught me that this world is not perfect, so, <laughs> so ain't nothing going to be perfect, but I'm definitely going to get the win and the victory. Thank you very much, gentlemen. We greatly appreciate it. Good luck on Saturday night. Thank you. Now Errol Spence Jr. and Danny Garcia will have the ceremonial stare down and Joe, my goodness, what an press conference here in Dallas. Both men seem focused, determined, and they are locked in. Yeah, they both look great.